0: Into the week two edition, week two slash week three edition of College Football Gridiron WFUV's College Football Podcast. I'm Chris Hennessy stepping into the A chair alongside Danny Scott, making not only his College Football Gridiron debut but his FUV podcast debut. Danny, you're happy to have you aboard, brother?
1: Yeah, thank you. It's great. It's it's really great to be back. I've been gone for a long time. Really excited to get into college football. I'm looking forward to a good week, and especially after a good week last week and also week one.
0: Yeah, it was an awesome, awesome start to the season. Greg Ware and DeLuca down at Florida Atlantic to call uh, our Fordham Rams game against uh, Florida Atlantic on Saturday. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Um, First, we're going to review what was week two. And last week, Greg Ware and I talked about two huge games. Um, And one was an upset that we both got wrong. And one was technically, if you ask Vegas, an upset and one that we both got right. Um, we'll start with the big one, which was number 12, Oregon, taking down number three, Ohio State, by a score of 35 to 28. Um, it was Oregon's run game and Ohio State's lack of defense. That really, for me, was was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, they, they got behind early, and they could never get a stop. Like, I know the Bosa brothers don't go there anymore. I know Denzel Ward isn't there anymore. But it felt like Ohio State's in the Big Ten. They – and the Big Ten, that I just needed them to be a stereotypical Big Ten team for a quarter of this game, and they weren't for any part of this game. And Oregon made them play a Pac-12 game, and they won on the road. And, man, I'm I I'm still a little bit shocked by it, and I watched pretty much every snap. Um, and I live with Alex Wolves, who's a huge Oregon fan, so he was going crazy. Um, but, man, I, I'm just – I want to know your thoughts because I – I now just think that Ohio state was overrated and we just gave them the number three spot based on the logo on the side of their helmet. Um, And maybe they're not going to be any good this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's tough when you talk about these blue chip schools, like Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, even, I mean, with Clemson losing last week, that's, you, you kind of see maybe these schools aren't as good as we all thought. Um, But yeah, Oregon kind of came out and took it to them and it was their run game. And they were also missing uh, Thibodeau, who's a projected top three pick on the defense and their defense looked really good. Oregon looked like a better Big Ten team than Ohio State kind of did on the defensive end. And it was definitely, like you said, Oregon's running game. Uh, CJ Verdell, who actually isn't their starting running back, came in, had 161 rushing yards, uh, two rushing touchdowns and added one through the air too. So uh, Oregon looked impressive, and they may be a team to look out for look at moving forward.
0: Yeah, they they for sure are, and I think they're probably shoo-ins to win the big the Pac-12, especially now with what's going on with USC and Utah. We'll get into that a little bit later, but they're probably shoo-ins to win the Pac-12, and and we'll see if they are able to get into the top four. We were talking about this last week. I, it, we were under working under under the assumption Ohio State was going to run the table and and win the big 10. And we kind of felt that it was the top four was already locked up with Alabama Clemson, Ohio state and Oklahoma. This puts a huge dent in that this leaves open the opportunity for either a second big 10 team to sneak in Oregon, to get in and Ohio state to fall out. Um, And honestly, personally, like I hope that happens. I, I love college football. I, I do. And, but sometimes like just the same schools every year, it's, I'm honestly getting kind of sick of it. And, This was a really fun, I think, for college football fans, and that's not a slight against Ohio State. That's not me saying, like, I hate C.J. Stroud or Brian Day or anything like that. It's just, I am really hoping that this year we get somebody into the tournament who is able to actually win a game. Like, yeah, we had Washington that one year, but they got absolutely steamrolled. And then, um, Oh, there was another year where there was like some wackadoo team that played against Clemson and they just got absolutely pummeled. Like it's not been Clemson, Alabama, Ohio state, Notre Dame every year, but it feels like it has. Um, And so I hope that this is really something that is able to get that to shift a little bit. And maybe it is Oregon that gets in there. Maybe it's Iowa, maybe it's Wisconsin. So um, we'll see. I, I was really, really impressed with uh, Oregon. That was my main takeaway more than I was, Let down by Ohio State. That that was my takeaway. Which side would you fall on there?
1: Yeah, I I would agree. I was more impressed by what Oregon was able to do uh, than Ohio State and what they didn't do. Um, But going back to what you were saying, I know both of us are Notre Dame fans. We we discussed Mm -hmm. that previously, but we're kind of seeing the writing on the wall, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But. When, uh, when your team is not the team, it's totally root for chaos. And I think we're, uh, we're getting that this season. And I think it's gonna be a fun season for college football. It's gonna be a lot of chaos down the stretch and we may see some teams that no one would expect to get in, but they may turn it on at the end.
0: Always root for chaos. That's my, that's my favorite saying when any of my teams are out, just you always, always root for chaos. Um, and if you are a, a person who's rooting for chaos, The Iowa Hawkeyes are the team to get behind. I said this last week that I was really high on them after their win against Indiana. They they go to Ames. They beat Iowa State on game day. They win the turnover battle four to nothing. Every time you looked up, Iowa State was starting the ball over again. It was insane, especially in the second half. Um, They had that fumble return for a touchdown that really put this thing away. 27-17, honestly, is closer than it was. I'll be perfectly honest. I watched most of this game uh that this was a 27-3 game and Iowa State got a couple nice touchdowns because they have a talented offense um and I think that they'll be perfectly fine in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma who's looks like world beaters right now um but I was super super impressed with Iowa um and I think that they right now are the best team in the Big 10 and I am actively rooting for them to win the Big 10 that is Like that is what is going to breed the chaos this year. There's so much fun. I think I'm a big 10 guy. I love the big 10. So I'm rooting for this team hands down for the rest of the season. Uh, But I was insanely impressed with what I saw. Like I don't think I was put up 27 points in a big game like ever. So that was pretty cool too.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm very high on Iowa as well this year. Um, you know, you can see the, the logo on my jersey, San Francisco 49ers, George Kittle's alma mater, and they are playing like how George Kittle plays football. They're just running it down people's throats and scoring touchdowns. I, like, it, it's, they're going to be a team to look out for this this season, I think. I would not be surprised this week if they move up into the top five in rankings after Ohio State goes down. They knock off the number nine team in the country they're they're gonna be a team that I think has a real shot at making the playoffs this
0: year. Yeah, I, I think they are. you know, I also kind of feel bad for the fan base because of how their basketball team got pummeled in the tournament. I don't know if you're a college basketball fan, but
1: Yeah, I was I love Luca Garza, but I yeah. I feel I feel bad for Iowa. So it's it's a good good opportunity for them to get back and get in the swing of things.
0: For sure. And I, I think I think they have the opportunity to do that. I really do. I'm trying to pull up their schedule here. I can't like walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, I think I think that they have the opportunity to win to win this um, conference because it's it's wide open right now. It is wide open with this loss, and obviously they didn't know that Ohio State had, or hmm, they might have known that Ohio State had lost before they got on the field. But um, if they did, they barely did. So uh, let's see. They are the number five team in the country now. Uh, they topped into the top five. They got Kent State this week, followed by Colorado State. So that should be two wins. Maryland's terrible. Their next big game is Columbus Day weekend at home against Penn State, uh, and then they got Purdue and, and then Wisconsin. So they got yeah Columbus Day weekend. They got Penn State. Halloween weekend. They got Wisconsin, and then they kind of coast into the into the postseason after that with Northeastern, Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. But that, I mean, that's a big 10 schedule. I don't know why that's like, like Purdue or Purdue's bad. Northwestern looks like they're bad. Um, but Penn State and Wisconsin are good teams. If and I hope the top 10 matchup, Columbus Day weekend, that'd be great.
1: If they can beat one of those two teams, I don't envision a scenario where they're not in the playoffs. If they can go in and take care of business against Penn State and potentially Wisconsin, I mean, we could be looking at the number two team in the country. Um, it, yeah.
0: depends, it really depends on to, that. I think they have to beat Wisconsin though, because Wisconsin's on their side of the Big Ten bracket. So if they lose to Wisconsin, then they're probably not going to be uh, Wisconsin's, Yeah, oh, and they're one and one. So yeah, if they lose to Wisconsin, they're probably not going to be representing the Big Ten West in the championship game. So I think that they'd have to beat Wisconsin for sure. And then theoretically they get another shot at Penn state in the championship game. So I think if you lose to Penn state, you have the opportunity to then flip that script in what would be your biggest game of the season in Indy um, in December. So I think, I think you're right. I think they need to beat Wisconsin and beating Penn state would be fantastic and it would get them to probably number two or number three in the country, but that's less of a priority than beating Wisconsin. Cause you need, as we've seen a million times, you need to at least get to the championship game. And in most years you need to win. it. Um, and I think that we are both realistic fans of our team enough to know that the only reason they've ever gotten into the playoff was because they went undefeated and they're Notre Dame. Um, I think that if any of and any other independent team went undefeated, uh, they would not get the treatment that the Irish do, um, which is why a lot of teams aren't independent anymore. They just all went to the big 12 We can get to that in a little bit, but um, I I think I think Iowa has a real path here. I do I do I, and I think Iowa State does too. Iowa State, you know, they're not out of it. I don't want to say that they're out of it, um, but Oklahoma looks really good. Baylor's yet to lose, um, and I mean Texas got whooped against Arkansas. We can get to that too in a little bit, but Oklahoma looks really really good. So they're going to have to beat Spencer Rattler and a really really good team uh, in order to get that Big Twelve crown. Let's uh, I would.
1: Iowa definitely writes her own destiny this year, and um, mm. if they if they can beat both Penn State and Wisconsin, uh, the reason why I say we may be looking at the number two is because the next segment we're going to talk about is Alabama and Georgia. They're going to face off in the SEC championship. That's that's my prediction, and uh, whoever wins that is not going to be number two. So,
0: yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, let's get to the top of the. Rankings here: number ones, numbers one, two, and four, absolutely coasted this week. Uh, you had Alabama take down Mercer by a score of forty-eight to twelve, uh, and Bryce Young was fantastic. Uh, you had Georgia take down UAB fifty-six to seven. They sat JT Daniels be- because of injury. Not saying that he isn't hurt when I put the air quotes around it, but I think that if this is the SEC championship game, he plays. Uh, Stetson Bennett. Obviously looked pretty good, um, but we know he isn't good. So that's, that's interesting um, because we know from last year, he isn't very good and Oklahoma won 76 to nothing. Um, Spencer Rattler had five touchdowns in the first half and then uh, took a breather and they absolutely rolled. So I think that these are three teams that you, you knew were going to be good coming in. Um, This makes the Ohio state loss even worse for Ohio state because now all these teams have rolled, and now they're a step behind the pack. Uh, but what else would you expect from uh, three teams playing against three powerhouses playing against uh, three teams who are not powerhouses?
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, the one thing that I want to point out is how impressed I am with Oklahoma. After mm-hmm. that scare they had against Tulane, they came out, they made a statement win. Uh, granted, it was against the team that everyone knew they should beat, but when you put up 76 points and your defense doesn't allow a single point, you're doing something right no matter who you're playing against.
0: 100%. And I think I think people around here should start looking at Spencer Rattler because Daniel Jones does not look very good at quarterback for the New York Giants. And it could be that kid from Nevada whose name I'm forgetting right now uh, who's the top quarterback prospect. But Spencer Rattler is really, really good. And he might be a New York Giant come April. Uh, the way things are, I mean, we obviously have a couple hours till a Thursday night football game, everything could change by then, but uh, I think that that's a name to watch if you're a Giant fan and you saw some really, really good things after. Yeah, it was a tough week. I, I think you do have to write it off a little bit because of all the emotions around Tulane. The game gets moved, they're playing for a city kind of like New Orleans Green Bay, honestly, where it's like, yeah, Green Bay looked terrible, but New Orleans was playing for a lot in week one and Tulane was too. Um, so I do think you're you can write it off a little bit if you're Oklahoma, but. Uh, It was a really, really nice bounce back for them uh, when they really needed it, and this week they take on Nebraska at home, so that should be another cruise of a game there. Nebraska, uh, they throttled for them, but they're not very good, and um, they they should take care of business pretty easily there, and as for Georgia, uh, it was nice to see their offense wake up after they were dead um, in the first game against Clemson, obviously it's UAB, but I'm not going to take too much into that. And then Alabama could have won 84 to 12, it really felt like. And they only won 48 to 12. And because it doesn't matter because they're Alabama and they'll be number one for the rest of time. Um,
1: It seems like it doesn't matter who Alabama plays anymore. It's just you go into the game and I mean, they could be facing, honestly, an NFL team. And it wouldn't surprise me if they just steamrolled them. I know that's completely like an NFL team would be any college football team, but Alabama is just so incredibly good. And they got, I mean, Bryce Hall is, or Bryce Young is an incredible quarterback. I'm very impressed with this guy. He was five-star quarterback coming out and he he is proving why he was that guy.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Georgia continues the cakewalk. They play South Carolina at home, uh, primetime on Saturday and Alabama has a big one against Florida, which we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, anything else from last week that really stood out on the blowout end before we head into the upset end of things?
1: No, I think uh, just the good teams are going to continue to roll, and you know who the good teams are. And it's the more things change, the more things stay the same with these squads. So.
0: Yeah, I would agree. One thing that did stand out to me was – I'm trying to find the score – was Buffalo against Nebraska. Buffalo was pretty good last year. They had that running back Jarrett Peterson, who left for the NFL, graduated, but they've been pretty good in the MAC. Uh, and they went down to Nebraska and they really didn't put up a fight. Um, so that that was a little bit disappointing because I wanted them to be good because I think it's kind of fun when Buffalo is good. Uh, that goes true for the Bills and the Sabers and uh, UB as well. But uh, they they got steamrolled. So that was just one thing I, I had my eye on, and um, as a Connecticut. Resident, I have to say that UConn sucks. They're so bad. They lost 49 nothing to uh, Purdue. Okay, those are the two blowout things.
1: Also, I uh, one thing I, I wanted to add, Yeah, Auburn looks legit this year as well. They they went into Alabama State, 162-0. And uh, North Carolina had a nice comeback game against Georgia State, winning 59-17. And uh, Sam Howell is right back into the Heisman conversation after kind of laying an egg in week one. He had a good game in week two.
0: Yeah, they needed that win uh, against Georgia State. Uh, that was a tough week one game, and they needed that 59-17. Yeah, that, that's a good call as well. All right, so let's move into the upset category, and then we'll do close games. There were three ranked teams that went down to unranked teams. Stanford beat USC. Their side their stories with Clay Helton and Urban Meyer, which are fantastic. Arkansas takes down Texas at home 40-21, and BYU takes down Utah. 26 to 17. Let's start with the California game, Stanford, USC. I'll let you take this as the California guy. This makes me, I know you're a Notre Dame fan, but still, this makes me infinitely happy because I always think USC is fraudulent and they're fraudulent. They're just not good. And they lost 42 to 28 to a team that was unranked and has no expectations this year. Uh, they looked terrible while doing it so much. So they fired their coach on the proverbial, uh, LAX, LAX, tarmac, uh, Lane Kiffin, Joe. For those who don't remember, and it makes it just makes my heart so happy, and that they got that they lost.
1: I agree with you, but I'm going to take a different approach and look at it. Um, Any team that's on Notre Dame's schedule, I hope they win until they face Notre Dame. Okay, that's fair. So USC going down this early doesn't bode well for the Irish if they can get on on back on track. They've had a couple of close games, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but um Stanford every single year I say this every single year they're dream crushers they may they may not be good but they crush everyone's dream they've done it to the Irish multiple times and I'm from northern california I've been to quite a few Stanford games there are always a very well coached team um and like you said taking down usc that's it's no joke but we'll see how this uh impacts some other teams in the future cuz you never hope to see the number fourteen team in the country go down when you're rooting for the number eight team in the country, and they're on their schedule in three weeks. So,
0: yeah, that that is true. Um, but I honestly think that Notre Dame is brought to them too. So I don't think that he really have a chance. Yeah. To do that. Um,
1: I I agree. I agree.
0: But yeah, I this whole Clay Helt and Urban Meyer thing is fascinating to me. I almost like wanted him to just leave when the, the reporter. Because just because of the really the way the reporter asked the question to him in Jacksonville, I don't know if you caught this. So all of the reports are like, oh, Urban Meyer doesn't like it in Jacksonville. Jacksonville doesn't like him because he's taking over all the drills. He's very aggressive, whatever. And then the USC job opens up. Everybody starts connecting it. And at his press conference, the first question is like, oh, there's been some rumors about you going to the USC job. Do you want to take this time to refute it? And he took like a half a second. And I was like, Oh, please say you're going. That would be so incredible. Just like storylines galore. Obviously he did not say that. He said, he's there to build an organization in Jacksonville. Uh, He's there to work with Trevor Lawrence. He's not there to do anything else besides work with Trevor Lawrence, but he said he was there to build a, uh, an organization uh, from the ground up and they had a tough loss in week one, but uh, they're going to have an interesting job to fill. And, Eric bien looks like the obvious answer. He said the only job he'd ever leave the pros and go to college for is USC. It's where he's from. He, for some ungodly reason, cannot get a pro job. And the second the Chiefs are eliminated from the playoffs, a bunch of teams are going to come calling for him. And USC is going to be one of them. And I'm very, very interested to see if he goes there. Um, I I, Honestly, I say a bunch of teams are going to call for him. I don't know that that's true. He's gotten the two straight Super Bowls and doesn't have an NFL job yet. So that's the name I'm looking for. That's the name I want it to be. Um, and Clay Helton out after two weeks is, is certainly not what I was expecting.
1: Yeah. I mean, the uh, enemy would be very big for USC. Like you said, great, great football coach. I have no idea how he hasn't gotten a head coaching job in the NFL. It, it amazes me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Helton going out after two weeks is, is a little rough for the program. I remember a few years ago with uh, Coach O. He was USC's incumbent coach, and they fired him. So And you saw what he did. He went down to LSU won a national championship. So USC does not have the greatest history of uh, finding good head coaches and hanging on to them. So we'll see how this works out for them.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that is a good point, and we'll see how it works out. But they've just been such a roller coaster since Pete Carroll left. It, it's been a very, very interesting era in USC football, and that continues with firing your head coach. As a ranked team, like, yeah, they lost. They got crushed. But, like, they still have expectations in the Pac-12. Um, uh,
1: this week does not demote them out of the top 25. Yes, it hurts. They'll probably be in the top 20s, I, I would imagine, somewhere in the 20s, late teens. Um but, yeah, they're still a ranked team. One loss doesn't end their season. But getting rid of your head coach that quickly, there's there's some issues in the locker room that haven't come out yet that I'm sure we're going to hear about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. They started this 14. It looks like they might even be unranked now, now that I look at it. They might they might have dropped all the way out. But, yeah, tough, tough start to the season for the Trojans. But that Pac-12 is – It was wide open. It doesn't feel wide open anymore with that Oregon win. Uh, The second one I mentioned was Arkansas taking down Texas. Uh, This brought out that Texas is back. We are back from the Cotton Bowl, I want to say, Sam Bennett, a couple years ago. But uh, because they're not back, they haven't been back ever, and they lost 40-21 to on the road to Arkansas. Arkansas is bad, and apparently Texas is worse. I actually thought that Texas was going to be okay this year, and I was wrong. Uh, they did not look good. They looked, they looked like the worst football team. And um, yeah, this, this to me, it them and Iowa state losing, it just widens the gap for Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma, all they have to do is like win like two or three more games and just not trip up early here. And they'll just absolutely roll to this championship, uh, which is unfortunate. You always root for drama in Texas and Iowa state took it away from us in the big 12.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, one thing that I thought was really funny is Texas going into the sec and in a couple of seasons, they go and play one of the worst teams in the sec and just get steamrolled. Mm -hmm. So I found, I found it pretty, pretty funny that this team that had huge expectations wants to go into uh, the powerhouse conference plays one of the worst teams in the league and just gets dominated.
0: Yeah, they get absolutely dominated. And I, Arkansas now has moved up into the top 25. They're number 20 now. They play Georgia Southern at home, so they'll probably win that game, and that'll move them maybe up. Maybe they'll keep them exactly where they are. But they could be legit this year. Um, and uh, I guess that Texas Texas can't again, uh, which is pretty incredible.
1: Uh, see, in the SEC, I don't think it matters unless your name is Alabama or Georgia. Yeah, you know. for sure. Sure. So they, they could be ranked all they want. They're going to end up unranked at the end of the year. It, I mean, they're going to go into Alabama. Or do they play Alabama? Are they, are they on the schedule? Well,
0: they got to play one of the two. They're going to play one
1: of the two, and I'm sure they're going to get steamrolled.
0: <laughs> September 25th at versus Texas A&M. October 2nd at Georgia. October 9th at Ole Miss. October 16th, home against Auburn.
1: Yeah, so I mean that uh, Ole Miss is by far the worst of those schools that they gotta face, but that's three ranked schools that.
0: Ole Miss is seventeenth right now. Is Ole Miss
1: seventeenth? Wow, yeah. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. So I mean that that is that's a gauntlet. That and then not, they play
0: Alabama in the second to last game of the season. God, that so they is. actually have both Georgia and Alabama.
1: That is uh, that's not a fun schedule.
0: No, I feel I, I
1: feel bad for Razorbacks fans.
0: Yeah. Yep, I would agree. And then the last one I mentioned was BYU taking down Utah. Um, I, I don't really have too much to say about this, honestly, because the Yankee game was going around at the same time. Uh, but I, I kind of root for Utah, and I root for – like that would be a cool team to be good. I think that would be really fun. BYU now jumps up into the top 25. It's a top 25 match of 10-15 on Saturday night against Arizona – Arizona State, excuse me. That could be a really, really fun game. Um, it's on ESPN too. So that's going to be a nationally televised top 25 game out West. That can be really fun. And if one of those teams wins, Hey, somebody has got to play Oregon in the, in the championship game. It doesn't look like it's going to be USC. So that'll be a very interesting game. And uh, I'm excited for that one. Specifically uh, as for BYU, Utah, I don't have too much to say besides. I am always skeptical of the early season rankings. And I think that this is kind of a, like commentary on that, where it's like, yeah, we thought Utah was better than BYU, but we were wrong. And now we're just going to switch it. And for the rest of the season, it's never going to be the other way. BYU is going to be ahead of Utah. And that's part of what you get for ranking teams you've never seen before. It's an impossible game to play.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm impressed with BYU coming in. Uh, They lose Zach Wilson, obviously, who's the number two pick in the draft and they somehow keep it rolling the next season. So uh, maybe a little culture, culture change going in over in uh, Utah over there?
0: Yeah, Zach Wilson's brother is on the team. And he's the linebacker, too, and Zach Wilson was at their first game, so yeah, they definitely lost their quarterback, but Jaron Hall's played very well, 347 total yards, um, 62% completion percentage, and they got 200-yard rushers already, uh, and one of them is the quarterback, so they, they've they've really developed uh, an I don't want to say developed a new way to play. That's kind of how Zach Wilson was operating as well. Uh, but they've gotten got a to fill that in. So they look good. They, they do look good. Um, we'll move on to the close calls and then we'll, we'll start with next week. Uh, close calls were AM Colorado. AM wins 10 to 7. They dropped down in the rankings from 5 to 7. Uh, we got Notre Dame Toledo, 32 29. Notre Dame wins on a last second touchdown that they should have never had the ball for. They dropped from 8 to 12, and the one I called, and I almost had correct, Appalachian State almost did it. Miami beat App State 25-23 at home. Um, they moved down from 22 to 24 while doing it. I want to start with that game because that was my favorite game I watched on Saturday because it was two – like if you think of two polar opposite schools on the like that are geographically close to each other, Appalachian State and the University of Miami – might be two of the more opposite schools in the entire country, um, and they played a football game against each other. I really wanted App State to win. That was like I really wanted them to win. I said it on this podcast. I thought that they were going to put them on upset alert. I thought they were going to win um, because it was a huge letdown spot for Miami. After that big Alabama game, 44-13 loss, they got absolutely steamrolled, and I thought that they were going to come out dead, and App State had just won uh, they had a big uh, Luke Combs concert at their football stadium. The entire school was buzzing, and they go down to Miami. And winning that game would just send this team to the moon, uh, and they almost did it. They it was so close. Uh, that one definitely stung because I thought that would be the best story in college football if they went down there and won. So uh, loved what I saw from App State. They have they have an absolute cookie this week. I forget who it is, but um, that would have been an incredible, incredible story if they had won that game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I think Miami is another one of those classic schools that's always rated higher than they should be. Um, they, they remind me a lot of Texas, where right? They were good, good at one point and everyone wants them to be good, but they're just not a good team. And it seems like it's like that every single year with, uh, yeah. with the U.
0: Yeah, yeah I would, I'd pick even further where they were actually very good for one year recently, right? Miami was good in 2017 18 i want to say
1: was that the uh, year that uh notre dame went? yeah they curb stomped notre dame on the
0: right yeah got killed yeah yeah they curb stomped notre dame uh in miami they were actually legitimately good that year and then texas was legitimately good the year they won the bowl game and ever since then not a team has been any good um so yeah that's that's actually a, a super interesting analogy where it makes sense for them to be good they're the blue blood schools Um, and they just haven't been outside of one year in the the playoff era. Not the team's ever made the playoffs. I honestly throw USC in there, although have they been legitimately good in the playoff era? I'm not sure, but that's another. blue blood schools who haven't made the tournament, Um, and and it's interesting to see how they're going to kind of react through recruiting. You think that of all schools in the country, Miami and USC, especially in Texas too, it's a big football school, would be very easy to recruit to, but they can't seem to beat teams like – they did beat Appalachian State, but barely. Um, so it, it is quite interesting and um, you wonder how Miami is going to respond this week App State plays against Elon so that's their cookie and then Miami Miami is playing, is
1: playing Michigan State and yeah, at I, home. I may throw in an upset alert here I, upset I, alert. Could, I could see Michigan taking it to a fraudulent Miami team love it I, I just I'm not high on Miami this year I'm never high on Miami they're just a team that I think is way too overrated for how, how much the, the committee loves them.
0: That is interesting. I'm not seeing an upset alert I love on here. Hmm. BYU-Arizona State, is that really even an upset? I'm not sure. I, I think I would like BYU in that game just because it's at home and they're coming off a big win against their rival. Um, Utah, I'm not totally sure that they even counts as an upset, but that would be mine. Uh, I do think Penn State is going to take care of Auburn. Uh, that, that is one game that I have this week where I, I think that Penn State is going to handle Auburn. But a lot of these teams are kind of playing nobodies um, this week. As for the other two, Notre Dame is the biggest pack of frauds I've ever seen in my entire life. This team stinks um, just like they do every year. And I honestly hope that they lose to Wisconsin because they deserve to. This team is terrible. They have nothing on offense. I, I don't see how this team runs the table this year. That's the only way they're ever going to get the playoffs, right, is running the table. And I don't see how they do it against Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, UNC, and USC. I do not see how they win every single one of those games. I don't, I don't think it's possible.
1: Yeah, they're they're going to have to figure something out. They, they really are. Um, Cone, I was very skeptical of at the beginning of the year. He's looking like he could potentially be – the right guy, but he's going to be gone after this year. So if if Notre Dame starts losing games, I would really like to see um, what's his what's his name, our backup quarterback. Yeah,
0: I don't remember. Um, his name Drew Payne.
1: Drew Payne is yes. a sophomore. If Notre Dame starts losing games, let's get Payne in there. Let's get him some some reps and look forward to next year. Uh, this this team on paper is a lot better than how they're playing. And I think it starts with the defense. I mean, we're just not letting up, or we're, we're letting up too many big plays. And that was uh, when our new defensive coordinator came in. I, I'm blinking on his name from Cincinnati. That was his thing is he doesn't, he doesn't allow big plays, but we're just giving up big plays to the teams that we should be steamrolling. And it's, uh, it's tough to watch as a Notre Dame fan.
0: Well, it's tough to watch because it's not on television too. I don't, that really aggravated me. I don't know about you. Like, I sound like old man yells at cloud right now. And, like, I have Peacock, right? I watch The Office. I watch whatever else shows are on Peacock. And that's fine. I could have turned on Peacock. But I didn't want to because it was against freaking Toledo. Like, they should have won 44 to nothing. And all of a sudden, I look at my phone, and it's a close game in the fourth quarter. It's like, what the hell? Like, I'm trying to watch Oregon-Ohio State here. I'm trying to watch the beginning of Iowa-Iowa State. And you're losing to freaking Toledo. I didn't even put, I didn't put it on and thankfully they won, but the Jack Cohn thing is interesting because I, I think he's a fine quarterback, local guy, Long Island. I think he's a fine quarterback. I um, think he was pretty good for Wisconsin, but clearly Brian Kelly thought that this team was good enough to win a national championship. Um, they aren't. And I don't know why it's like, Ian, like, I don't know about you. I I disliked Ian Book very strongly. I never thought he was actually good. Um, and I don't think Jack Cohn is that much better than Ian Book. So why wouldn't you try to take a freshman or a sophomore, develop him into a quarterback and go for a championship in two years? Like, that didn't make a ton of sense to me. You're not going to get this guy into a game until he's a junior now. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very down on the team this year, just overall. Overall, very down on the other day.
1: Yeah, I I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree on the Ian book. I I was very I liked Ian book a lot, and it was what separates book from Cone is book could move.
0: Yeah, he can. He,
1: he would extend plays for us. He'd run for the first down, and we're just not getting that this year. Um, Cone showed a lot of grit when he dislocates his finger, pops it back in, comes in, throws the game winning touchdown, but. I, I'm I'm down on them this year. We'll we'll see if they can uh, come back and make a statement against Purdue.
0: Yeah, uh I doubt it. And then AM Colorado. I think AM will be fine. Uh it's a trap game on the road and they almost lost, but they pulled it out. I'm not concerned about AM at all.
1: Yeah, I mean I wouldn't be concerned if I was a fan. It it just it, it induces more chaos, which is what I love to see. So yeah. Um AM a good football team. They're going to win a lot of games. Uh, we'll see how they do in the gauntlet that is the SEC right now, but um, I agree. Not, not too much
0: of a concern. All right, so we'll move on. We mentioned it earlier in two different realms. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma earlier in the summer announced they're going to head to the SEC in a couple of years. So the Big 12 starts to scramble. They got to replace them. They replaced them with four teams. They go Houston, UFC, UCF, excuse me, not UFC, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU. I love this move for the Big 12, right? Makes a lot of sense, replace the teams, whole thing. I adore this move for all four of these schools. I cannot stress this enough. UCF, uh, I am an anti UCF guy. They're in a fraudulent division where they play against UConn every freaking year. Like they're the whole national championship thing really aggravated me. So I'm very intrigued to see how they perform with the Big 12. Cincinnati, I think this is the best thing that could have ever happened to Cincinnati. Maybe they'll finally get some playoff recognition. Houston's been good. And then BYU, we talked about. I think this is a great move for all four of those schools. The way we see college football kind of evolving in this playoff era is towards those power five conferences. And who knows where it's going to evolve after this because the NCAA is basically like falling apart at the seams as we speak. Um, But I, I think this is a great move for all four of those schools.
1: I completely agree. And uh, going back to the Cincinnati talk, I think this is the best move that Cincinnati could have made joining a power five conference. Everyone thought they were supposed to be in the playoffs last year. Obviously they didn't get in and they lose to Texas A&M in the bowl game, but Cincinnati gets into a power five and now they have a chance to prove themselves. If they can go into the big 12 and win the big 12, I think it's a good move. And uh, BYU is obviously better than everyone gives them credit for. Houston and UCF, it's a good move for them. Maybe it'll finally shut up UCF about uh, their national title defense and everything, but we'll see. I think think it's a good move for all four of these schools, Cincinnati especially.
0: Yeah, 100% 100 agree. I mean, it could be very temporary, right? As, As I mentioned, we could see a complete reorg of all of college sports uh that that's definitely on the table but for the time being this is a great move uh for all four of those squads uh as for texas and oklahoma i actually think it's a terrible move because they just played each other for the big 12 championship every year now they're gonna have to play against alabama like i didn't get that a lot like why would you move to a better conference when you could make pretend that you're just as good as alabama when you never actually are like uh, i don't think that this is going to be good especially for Texas.
1: I agree, but especially for Oklahoma. Okay. Because Oklahoma is a school that has been to the college football playoffs multiple times and they're going to go into the toughest conference in football and they're going to see competition that they would see in the playoffs if they just stuck in the Big 12 and steamrolled everyone. It's going to bring in more money for the school. You're going to get more recruits, or you could go to the SEC and be the third, maybe fourth best team in the conference.
0: Yeah. And I think like, would you rather be Oklahoma or Texas AM for the last five years? The answer is easily Oklahoma. So now Oklahoma is just going to become Texas. A&M, right. That doesn't make a ton of sense. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, all right. We'll quickly hit these next, the games for this Saturday, and then we will head out of here. The big one t- taking place down in Florida, crimson tide on the road against the Gators. Uh, this is one of the biggest games of the entire year. Number one against number 11. Um, I think it is very safe to say that Alabama will roll. However, uh, if you look at the schedule, if any team's going to be Alabama, it's going to be Florida. They're pretty good. Uh, this year, the Gators. So I will pick Alabama. I'll pick them by two touchdowns, but I don't think it's going to be 49 up. I think it's going to be, you know, 42 to 28, 42, 35, something like that. Um, where Florida is able to keep this thing close, maybe they even have a shot late.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm also going to take Alabama for obvious reasons or the best team in the country. Um, but I'm going to go out on a prediction and say it's going to be a close first half game and maybe Florida even takes the lead in the halftime and Alabama's going to make some big adjustments and they're going to win by at least two scores.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair because I, that, I think they're going to be on the heels of a insane crowd in Florida. I mean, we've seen the crowds that they've had uh, even during the pandemic. It was pretty wild. And, uh, they'll definitely start to get riled up uh, this weekend. Uh, okay. As for another ranked game, Auburn heads Penn State. I already showed my hand earlier. I do like Penn State a lot. Um, I am manifesting a Penn State-Iowa uh, championship game. I think it'd be so fantastic. And in order to do that, Penn State's got to take care of Auburn. I think they will.
1: I, uh, I'm also going to take Penn State. I would love to see Auburn win this and just create so much chaos in the SEC um that'd probably move them well up into the uh top 15 um Mm -hmm. I think Penn State is a better team and they're going to win it but I think it's going to be a close one
0: yeah I'd say probably Penn State by a touchdown I would agree it's really pretty close uh we mentioned ASU against BYU I'll pick BYU just because they're at home off of a big win uh but Arizona State's very good as well I think that they can they can really put up a fight and uh, yeah, as I mentioned, somebody's got to play Oregon. And uh, we'll see if it's one of these two teams. I think it will be one of these two. That, that's kind of where I stand right now. Or I guess it's not campy BYU. They're not in the Pac-12. Uh, I think it could be um, Arizona State. So if they win, I think that they take the pole position to play Oregon in the, in the championship game or paddle, battle with Oregon for the championship. Um, and if they lose, uh, then you start looking around and thinking, oh boy, it's going to be another runaway for Oregon.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go against you for the first time. I like ASU in this game. I think uh, BYU had a good game against Utah. They might come out a little flat, and Arizona State's a good football team. they got a lot of speed, and I think uh, they're going to be able to win. I do think it's going to be another one of these one-score games, but I like Arizona State.
0: Miami's only a six-point favorite at home against unranked Michigan State. Michigan State team going through a rebuild of sorts, and a Miami team that is, uh, as you so eloquently put it a pack of freaking frauds i actually i'm gonna go with you too i'm gonna put michigan i'm gonna put Miami on up for the second consecutive week and go with michigan state
1: yeah i mean like you mentioned i already played played my cards with this one michigan state by two scores
0: and the final game we're going to talk about is fordham headed down to florida atlantic as i mentioned that's where ryan and nick are this week uh we talked last week at length about Ryan Greenhagen, 31 tackles, the record against Nebraska. Fordham comes home. They play against Monmouth. He has 28 tackles. Add those two numbers up. That's 59 tackles through two games, which is a preposterous number. He wins defensive player of the week in the Patriot league. Again, what's great about this though, is Tim DeMorat wins the Offensive player of the week uh, with over 300 passing yards, 60% completion percentage, one of the best games, if not the best game of his career. Uh, but they lost to Monmouth by just a couple of points, a heartbreaker uh, at Jack Coffey Field. And now they play a really good Florida Atlantic team. This looks like a tough 0 3 start for the Rams, but uh, after the 26 23 loss. But um, I, I think that it showed something, honestly, last week. Like, I didn't think they looked terrible. Um, and I think you finally saw something out of DeMorat. Like, we've seen that DeMorat's a solid quarterback, and he had the best game of his career against Monmouth.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Monomith is a very good very good football team. Uh, DeMorat being able to come in and win Patriot League Offensive Player of the Week and a loss uh, shows a lot to me. And obviously, the talk about Greenhagen, like you mentioned, 59 tackles through two games, 29.5 tackles per game through two games. If he were to keep that average going, he would break the single-season tackle record by over 100 tackles. Whew. He's, he's on pace right now for over 300, and the current record is somewhere around 200. So, uh, we got a guy in Greenhagen, and it looks like we got a guy in Demorat. So, we'll see what they're going to be able to do against FAU.
0: After FAU, it, it pulls up a little bit. This is a really tough start to the season, right? You got two FBS teams and a really solid FCS team in Monmouth. They're on the road against Stony Brook, a team they fared well against in the past couple of years. They got Lafayette, and then they start there. Uh, Patriot League schedule with Lafayette. Uh, they have a three-game homestand, Wagner, Bucknell, Bucknell Lehigh. Uh, they, the last game of the season is against Colgate, who's usually an absolute powerhouse in the Patriot League. Uh, so we'll, that will be a real gut test for Fordham if they're in a position to uh, to, to make, a, make a statement in the Patriot League. We'll have to see. Um, but I, I think that Ryan Greenhagen and Tim DeMora really showed, showed something for the Rams uh, in that week. All right. That wraps it up for our week two review and our week three preview. We got Alabama, Florida. We got Penn State, Auburn in two of the biggest games of the college football season this week. We'll be back at it. I don't know who it's going to be. Ryan and Nick will obviously be back from Florida, but uh, it could be me, it could be Danny, it could be all four of us. Who the heck knows? Um, so, before, but we will talk to you then for Danny Scott of Tennessee. See you around.